The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, our therapist panel will uh, join us. We're going to talk about COVID fatigue. People are getting real tired of this, uh, coping with this, coping with deconfinement, and also the surge in uh, cases of uh, younger people, so 20 to 29-year-olds, and how do we get young people to follow guidelines or to understand the importance of it and what have you. So we'll be speaking with our therapists coming up after 1015. But first, time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. I can uh, answer, get some of your questions by email as well to lori at drlaurie.com or you can text me at 514-800. So here goes one. I've been suffering with this problem for about a year now. When I have sex, my penis is always dry and it can hurt to actually have sex. Not only that, there's always a strong buildup of smegma underneath my foreskin and glands and it can sometimes give off a funky smell. I wash it daily in the shower, but every day it comes back. I'm worried it might be a sign of an STI, but I'm not completely sure as I did have unprotected sex with a woman. If you could please take the time to reply, it would be great. I would be grateful for your help. And this is worrying me, and I struggle to find the time to see a clinic about this. So, first of all, I can give you a little bit of advice, but it certainly does not replace a proper evaluation and diagnosis by a medical doctor. I'm, in, I'm not a medical doctor. Um, if your penis is dry, you absolutely, first of all, should be using a uh, lubricant, like a silicone-based or water-based uh, lubricant. You can get that at any drugstore. You can find it at a sex shop. You can buy it online. I mean, these days there are so many companies that make it. Your smegma problem. So it is possible that you have a uh, yeast infection. Of course, daily washing while you pull back the foreskin is the best way to maintain your uh, your hygiene. Uh, if you have a yeast infection, though, you will need to get that treated so that it doesn't uh, keep coming back. So that's something that men can also get is yeast infection, especially in... Um, men who have not been circumcised simply because yeast needs a uh, moist place to uh, to grow and the foreskin is the kind of the best place for that to grow right uh, so you need to to check that sometimes there can be more smegma buildup if your foreskin is too tight which makes pulling it back more difficult and then uh, then I guess harder to clean uh, properly that's why a medical doctor needs to see you needs to assess the problem needs to check you out physically which of course uh, you know a psychologist doesn't do or sex therapist doesn't do we don't do any kind of physical anything Uh, so uh, this should be really handled by a medical doctor Uh, due to over masturbation my right testes is shrinking also my scrotum looks small what can I do now I also have a problem of EDPE and less muscle mass I have no idea how old you are, so I have no clue here. I have very limited information. There are some conditions that can cause testicular atrophy or shrinkage. 
But let me tell you, masturbation is not the cause. Usually that has nothing to do with uh, atrophy of, uh, of testicles. Maybe, maybe there's a reduction in testosterone uh, levels, which might be due to excessive masturbation, which then could lead to shrinkage, the lower testosterone levels, which could lead to erectile dysfunction and which can lead to loss of muscle mass. But we need to do proper tests to find out if you have what's called androgen deficiency syndrome, which are your male uh, hormones that you might be deficient in. So once again, this is a medical issue that needs to be uh, looked at. And sometimes with medical things, yes, there are psychological parts to it, um, but it's really important when there's something that is different or you notice something unusual, something new, persistent, that you have it checked out. Uh, you, you need to be able to talk to your physicians about these issues. Like they... They are aware of your whole body. They take care of everything, including your uh, genitals. Now, there are specialists for sure, like for women, for gynecological problems, gynecologists will have a look, things like that. But for something like like this, uh, your regular GP can send you for tests, make sure they ask for uh, testosterone um, levels test and ask them to check your bioavailable or free testosterone as well, which is a specialized test that looks at the part of the testosterone that is there that is responsible for uh, sex drive and such. So you need to discover that. Now, I don't even, again, I don't know how old you are. So if you were older, I would say, yeah, that sounds like it could definitely be androgen deficient, deficiency. So again, you know, we need to do thorough evaluations. Whether you were to come to me in the office, I would do a thorough uh, psychosexual evaluation and still send you to see a doctor to check out the physical side. So you'd have to do uh, kind of both because even though a therapist can help you deal with the erectile dysfunction and such and, and the effects of that on your relationships and on your self-esteem, you still have to figure out what the cause. I always like to know what the hell is the cause of all of this rather than um, the symptom. Um, could you explain what smegma is? I'm sure I don't have it, but the future is out there. Smegma is a natural occurring, uh, lubrication in uncircumcised men. You, it's not something that you have, you know, every uncircumcised man knows what smegma is. Um, and this is why good hygiene is important and good hygiene when you're uncircumcised is pulling back the foreskin when you're washing. You don't have to scrub down anything. Even simple water is, is good, uh, is sufficient, but it is something that, uh, men who are circumcised have to take care of. If you're uncircumcised, it's not really something that, uh, you would, uh, you would find. Uh, can watching porn and masturbate and masturbating cause hair loss or any uh, other psychological problems like stress, anxiety, or depression? Is porn completely safe to use? If it is, how to go about it? So it's unlikely, though, that masturbation ca is causing you uh, hair loss. That's far more likely that it's your uh, genetics. I mean, there are places you can. Th there are some people who. <laughs> 
uh, or myths around uh, masturbation and and hair loss and things like that that you may want to look at that there's actually a place that you could um, called the 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 Belgravia Center.com has a, a this whole thing about the truth about sex, masturbation, and hair loss. So it's, it's really interesting. But for the psychological issues like anxiety or depression, um, the answer is uh, yes, uh, that it might. So um, the porn can certainly cause anxiety and depression, but it all depends on how you feel about your masturbation activities. If you feel shame and guilt, then this will cause you distress. Distress can lead to more distress, which can lead to you feeling anxious and uh, depressed. And especially if it's getting, um, interferes with your relationships or your ability to have sex with your partner, then at that point it's unhealthy. Um, but porn per se, I mean, most people watch it. Porn per se is not the problem. It's the excesses that, um, make a difference. Coming up, uh, we've got uh, our therapist panel, Stefan Bensusen and Rebecca Putterman will be joining us talking about COVID fatigue. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Once a month here on the program, I invite my colleagues, uh, I was going to say into studio, but onto the program because we're not all in studio uh, just yet, and uh, to talk about all kinds of things related to mental health issues. And of course, with uh, COVID and all of that, there has been a lot of talk around the effects of mental health. I think we're all seeing it much more when I say all the therapists that I know have gotten busier and busier as the months have gone by because of all the... uh, Well, some of it is the COVID fatigue, some of it is strain on relationships, strain on family life, uh, which clearly is, is, you know, uh, at least people are reaching out for, for help. So that's, uh, that's, you know, a good thing that people are reaching out. Joining me are, uh, my usuals, uh, Stefan Bensusen, who is a health psychologist. He's the founder of Psy in the West Island. Hi, Stefan. Hello there. And we have Rebecca Putterman, who's a psychotherapist. She specializes in the treatment of anxiety, depression, grief, and uh, and a lot of other things. Uh, hi, Rebecca. Hi. Good evening. So this is fun. At least uh, I, I'm I'm actually seeing them now on Zoom. I wish I'd thought of this before when I've been having all of my uh, <laughs> my panels that we can actually coordinate. It just makes it sound a little bit uh, less. Uh, you know, we don't interrupt each other in the same way because I can signal to everybody. So I think for the listener, it's a little bit better. I wanted to talk about one thing that I know we have all. Um, seen uh, within within our practices and and people who are suffering this, but it's called, either we call it COVID fatigue, pandemic fatigue, lockdown fatigue. Um, This is happening, meaning that now that there's been deconfinement, I don't even know if that's a word, but where they've, you know, loosened the, the, uh, what is it even a word, deconfinement? Can someone let me know? (laughs) I know it's deconfinement in French, but I have no idea if it's an English word. Sounds good. Uh, Yeah, it sounds good. Nonetheless, everybody knows what we're talking about. But since all of this, the, the worry 
that that people are talking about right now is that the there have been a, a surge of cases among young people like 60% of new cases reported just this week are of people under the age of 39 and I'm wondering if they're the most fatigued you know in in, in terms of the um, having to have been isolated for for a long time they maybe they're the most social but now that things are opening up like bars and and places um, they are congregating uh, a whole lot more and uh, there was an interesting um, article in one of the uh, Canadian, uh, CBC News actually, that uh, they were reporting what uh, Dr. Teresa Tam was saying, just uh, her last uh, press conference, and uh, she says that young people need to continue following public health guidelines to prevent the spread of uh, uh, COVID-19. The upward trend in daily case counts is worrisome. We know that we have the means to keep it under control, but this is by no means a sure thing. Um, and again, you know, talking about having to work together to to bring this down and, and what have you. So we're seeing 60% of new cases are in the younger uh, generation. This is a problem. Clearly, this is a problem for everybody, not just those who may be symptomatic, maybe not even symptomatic, but... I want to talk about a COVID fatigue and later on, I want to also talk about how, how on earth do we convince young people, especially if you're a parent of like a, you know, a young adult to, uh, to follow some of these guidelines. So Stefan, we'll start with you. What, what kind of fatigue, COVID fatigue or, or lockdown fatigue or pandemic fatigue have you been a witness to? So we're getting a lot of people at the clinic coming in feeling depressed, feeling um, isolated. They, they were just so excited when we opened our doors again. And we were flooded with calls and new people coming in. Uh, we've never seen a busy June and July as we did this year. Um, right. And the majority of cases are people who are feeling depressed, who are feeling is- isolated, who are getting separated from their partners. They've been confined for a long period of time, and uh, the stress of being isolated has been too much for them. Um, We're seeing a lot of students and kids who have been out of school for a while, and they they haven't seen their friends. They haven't completed their their schoolwork. They haven't done their prom or their graduation ceremonies. Mm -hmm. So we're getting some depression there as well. And and just overall kind of angst about trying to get back into normal again, and and then just they just feel like this confinement has taken too long, and they they're rebelling against society. There's some of them that are just don't believe in this whole uh, thing that this is not real. It's made up. It's a conspiracy oh, uh, to kind of confine <laughs> us. And so we're getting all kinds of people coming in. Right. But the fatigue for sure is, is, is one of the top uh, symptoms that we feel. And then being on the other end of Zoom, sometimes it can also be quite tiring as well. The technology is great. But when you do that all day long, you're sitting at your desk and you're not moving, you're sedentary and you're just watching a screen, it's uh, it's tiring. It's tiring for the brain. Actually, there's uh, there is something called Zoom fatigue, right? There's uh, people yeah. are are looking into that now. I'm noticing it myself. Actually, Absolutely. when I'm in my office, I'm always looking at the same thing, right? So yeah. I, the background fades into everybody, so I can really focus on the person. But when I go from uh, client to client on Zoom or whatever I'm using, I have a different background every time. So there's a bit of a dis- like a distraction. It takes right. just a little more for my brain 
to zoom in, you know, and, and really uh, focus. And so I noticed that, for example, I can't do, you know, as many as I would, let's say, see as many people in a day as I would in the office. So it's a very, it's an interesting uh, uh, phenomenon that's, uh, that's happening here. Rebecca, what about you? What are you seeing? So similarly to Stefan and what you had said also, uh, there's no question I'm also seeing a lot of irritability, a lot of people who are staying home a lot together with their family who don't get space, who don't have, you know, people who couldn't do Zoom sessions because they don't have any space in their homes to talk, Mm. as well as what I'm also noting, a lot of anticipatory anxiety. So like just personally myself up until about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, I was like, okay, numbers are staying low. And once I started noticing more people were going out in the bars and cases that happened from a pool party to a bar and 60 cases in one weekend from one bar. And, you know, we know that when people drink, the inhibitions go down, so they're not even being as careful as they want, Mm -hmm. as they should be, as they might be without any alcohol during the day. I think I'm I'm seeing a lot of people with anticipatory anxiety. How long is this going to be? How long is this going to go on for? If, you know, the more marches that might be on the streets trying to discourage mask use, and and I do understand some people have difficulty wearing masks, but I also understand the common, you know, the good for the most people is so important. So I'm seeing just sadness of losses, things that you expected to happen, as Stefan had said, proms and mm. finishing classes and kids losing friendships because they weren't allowed to get together for a long time and a lot of isolation. So um, just all overall, many different losses, grief, anticipatory worry about when this will end, and money. I mean, people have, right. some Other people stresses, have really yeah. lost jobs and a lot of financial insecurity is yeah. coming. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I know someone who might own a lot of property, but everyone has canceled their lease. So while mm-hmm. things were great just before COVID, we know that this creates a lot of worry of where things going to go from here. Right. So obviously, um, COVID fatigue um, refers to just you know being tired of being cooped up, being careful, tired of being scared. Uh, It's like a collective fatigue that we are all kind of experiencing, but how people respond to that is what is, I guess, showing the danger, right? Because there's different ways of responding. Either you say that to hell with it all, and some people are are doing that, like to hell with it, I've got to live, I've got to live. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, they just don't want to follow strictly the guidelines. So I think, Stefan, you said the word like rebellion, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> a bit of a yeah. rebellion. And then the other fatigue is for the rest of us who are fighting That's it right. so hard that that is fatiguing also, right? Like, That's right. I mean, hey, going to the grocery store is a whole experience, right? There's a, so there's a, it's created this in all of us. So just so that everybody understands, we're all in this. I know people have said that, but we're all fatigued. We are all experiencing this kind of stress that's having an impact on our mental well-being, um, you know, our physical health. It's uh, it's intense stress. It's prolonged stress. Uh, and so we need to really 
understand that this kind of, um, we, like we have both, you know, most people have like intense stress, <laughs> but then it's not prolonged. Now we have both. Right. And, and anytime you tell people you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that. And then you expect them to follow the rules for a little bit of time. That's okay. But the, after a while, people start from a psychodynamic perspective, they start to fight back against authority. Right. And that's when you see all the rebellion and the, well, you can't tell me what to do or why should I care? Nobody around me is sick and I'm not sick, so why should I worry about anything else? And then that's when you get the carelessness and the recklessness. And, mm-hmm. the, and, and that's when people take unnecessary risks. And, and sometimes it, it, it pays off and they come back and nothing happens and then it just reinforces their habit. Like, see, right. nothing happened. I went out, I went to see some friends and I'm still okay. Right. So it just reinforces that everybody's crazy out there. What's everybody freaking out about? Right. And I have to tell you, one thing that upsets me is seeing posts by friends who think it's all a bunch of, you know, control from the government and what's next and, you know, all of this. And it, that is the part that stresses me the most about all of this. That That's a big stressor on me. And then I'm, like, disappointed in how people are react. And I know I shouldn't judge anybody, but <clears throat> it still has that impact on me. Coming up, we'll talk about how to cope also, uh, not just with all the different stages of stress, but uh, also how to help or encourage young people to better follow uh, guidelines with my therapist panel, Stefan Ben-Susan and Rebecca Putterman. Up next, uh, after uh, we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Well, I think all of us have been experiencing uh, what we uh, what is called uh, COVID fatigue or pandemic fatigue or lockdown fatigue, whatever you want to call it. We're all pretty fed up, pretty tired of being cooped up, tired of being scared, I think, uh, for, uh, for a lot of us. This is our therapist panel. The last Monday of every month, I ask some colleagues to join me. Uh, more three heads better than one and uh, and and also they all we all deal with different types of issues so we're able to bring you kind of different perspectives on uh, on mental health issues so we focus on general mental health rather than on on just uh, sexual health for example uh, Stefan Ben Susan is with us he is a health psychologist he's the founder of C Santé in the West Island Rebecca Putterman is a psychotherapist specializing in the treatment of uh, depression and anxiety and uh, grief as well. Uh, so a couple of text messages here. Uh, it's like the kids in the back of the car on a trip. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Drives everyone nuts. And I'm sure little kids who don't understand uh, may be going through through that. Is it over yet? Is it over yet? Can I play with my friends yet? Um, and then uh, JD says, I'd like to know what terrible things the government is doing while they are uh, quote-unquote controlling. And this is in reference to the posts, I don't know if you guys see any posts. I know you're not on social media, Rebecca, but Stefan is. Uh, posts by people who, uh, you know, who you have, you respect and, and who are people that you've worked with or know quite well and who are posting these oftentimes rants about government control and, um, I guess, minimizing. And I just saw one just before the show about, you know, I'll worry about my health. You worry about your health. I'm not telling you how to, you know, you know what I mean? It's like your health is your responsibility. 
And, and it drives me nuts because it's clear that if I'm wearing a mask, I'm protecting you. If you're wearing a mask, you're and protecting you're, me, yeah. right? It, but it's more <clears throat> about that. So, and it just, it, it incenses me. And I know other people, um, I know other people are feeling the exact same thing. So, uh, and yet, you know, so part of that, I, I guess, is stop looking at those things. Like I have to stop reading all of that and stop commenting and stop engaging in, um, because you, you just can't argue those things. Well, it's just someone else's opinion. That's how I see it. And everybody's entitled to their opinion. Just because they have an opinion doesn't make it the truth. Absolutely not. We all have an opinion, and we need to respect that. And we're all doing the best that we can. This is a new situation for all of us, and we're all trying to learn how to cope with this. And the government is is doing the best that we think is can. I'm sure there's other stuff behind the scenes that we're not privy of, but you know they're doing what they what they think they should be doing, and hopefully their intentions are to protect us and not just to uh, profit on this in some way. Exactly, and and I guess I have faith in that. I I believe in that, and I think you know. Uh, there's enough medical professionals behind the guy, like yes. you know, like if it wasn't backed by all the science, I'd say right. okay, there's uh, something to be said here. But somewhere, it, it it's not so much just an opinion, though, Stefan. It's like yes, I get it. That's what you think, but you have a following. You know what I mean? It's like right. you create this wave, um, and I don't think, and I think that's can be hurtful to the rest of us who are trying to follow the guidelines and um anyway we should talk we, we need to talk about and i think yeah go ahead I, I think it's important i mean everyone has an opinion and i think it's important we don't judge each other and you know that's great that someone will say you know you take care of your health and i'll take care of my health except my you know we're all here paying taxes we're all here making sure that our health uh, institution doesn't come down hard the way it did. Mm-hmm. A lot of old people suffered as a result of many people not doing the necessary precautions Thanks, right. and directives. And I think, you know, it is, for me, I always tell young people, especially, it's short-term pain for long-term gain. And yes, this short-term has been long, and I remind them it's temporary, and it is a long temporary but it will end. But we just have to try to be as patient as can be because we can't all be self-serving either. We have True. to think of the common of good. I, th- I really I, strongly believe that. Yeah, well yeah. said. And I think that's a good message to give to young people. But it also talks about, like, we should look at the, the stages of what, you know, what happens. Like, we have enough evidence in history to show us what happens during disastrous times, or this is a dis- this is a form of disaster stress, right? It's affecting the whole world. It's affecting communities everywhere. And there is research that shows that there are stages of stress on mm-hmm. communities. And the early ones, we saw that communities pulling together, people uh, supporting one another, creating a sense of of community. Uh, bonding, right? Remember at the at the very beginning, we were helping our neighbors. We were out there, you know, waving, talking, talking to people. Uh, so there was something, there was something there. But apparently, and meaningful, and meaningful, right? But that spirit ends up wearing thin as the stress starts to build up, as we, as there are more and more uh, cases, and as we are, conf- you know, stuck. Mo- lockdown more and more then uh then we hit a uh, a disillusionment phase 
uh, we lose that optimism and we start to have angry reactions and we start to have negative reactions. And ah, how long is this going to last? And ah, what are we going to do about this? And I think that's where we're at. We're at this disillusionment stage. Um, right now, people are exhausted. Some are even, you hear people saying, I don't even care if I get it at this point, right? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, I'd rather get sick. I'd rather risk it and rather than, than uh, <clears throat> stay at home. And so people stop listening to the leaders and they stop listening to the science. Um, and, and the stories that come out from the people who did that and then did get COVID and were sick for a long time are now saying, I really should have paid more attention and thought about my family members or should have thought about my health. Because I think it's very hard to know what the consequences will be, especially as Stefan had said. If you go out and you're not touched by it and you come home and then, you you know, you survive the next 14 days without it. So it's sort of like smoking, you know, the consequences really only come decades later, mm-hmm. maybe. And I think, unfortunately, some will get it and some won't. And again, you know, we have to trust that the people who are in authority are really thinking of the common good, which is what I'll always say. Right. A couple of texts here. Just like mankind pulled together just before World War II, question mark, question mark, mm-hmm. question mark. Well, during other um, other uh, disaster, like they were able to base their research on other community disasters and world disasters. So. Uh, another text says, the problem is that if the government is doing it for this reason, they should have made it mandatory right in the beginning, not a month after it was practically gone. At least it looked that way. It didn't. It's not gone. Believe me, people, it's not gone. Uh, they also didn't do the things that surely matter to the health risks, even while everyone knew all that. End result, they are not trustworthy anymore. I think the government, personally, I think they're in a difficult, difficult position because at the same time, they don't want a revolt, you know, like people just like uh, on their hands either so they have to tread like carefully I suppose Um, what do you think they have have to open up some things they can't shut down all the time long term like this it it will cause pandemonium and people are going to be going nuts already there's a resistance and a rebellious uh, going up but imagine if we were still under lockdown I think the level of anger and frustration Mm. would be higher i mean you can only impede on people's um liberty and freedom so long before you get a reaction so i think they've done it in a way that's that's pacing it slowly opening things up sometimes a little faster than others but i think their intention is just to to give people a chance of, of feeling a little bit of what normal is but reminding them to be cautious as well and knowing that the numbers are going to are spiking a little bit every time they open something up, but the consequences right. are graver on the other end. Right. And then some people are also feeling that, the, the, as someone writes, leaders keep on lying to us daily. But we also need to understand that it, this changes. Like the, 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 the uh, information we have, the testing, the it's all going on as we speak. Mm-hmm. So it, since this is the first of its, you know, we haven't seen anything like this, um, they might make mistakes along the way. Oh, yes, masks were, you know, at, at some point it seemed like that wasn't helping. Then they did more research and found, yes, it is helping. And so, and then, but people are interpreting this as we're being misled. 
and yeah. where so we we're also... all learning at the same time. Exactly, we and need we're to... learning the hard way. Exactly, we need to understand that. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about how to approach, and I want to know how our listeners at five one four eight hundred approached um, their own young kids, or not young kids, but young adult children, um, because I've heard many, many stories and many, many fights between young adults and their parents uh, about the loosening of uh, many of their guidelines or not following the guidelines. So I'm curious to know how our listeners handled this so give us a call or uh, text us at 514-800 this is our therapist panel uh, tonight passion with dr Lori batito on cjad 800 it's our therapist panel tonight on the program. Uh, we have Stefan Bansusen, a health psychologist, founder of Psy Santé, and Re- Rebecca Putterman, who's a psychotherapist specialist in uh, treating anxiety, depression, and grief. So we've been um, we've been talking about uh, the you know COVID fatigue and how people are kind of rebelling against this. What we now know this week: sixty percent of all new cases are in people between 20 and 29. This is according to uh, hmm. Dr. Tem. So um, this is what's happening right now. The question that, and, and, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine who like all, and, and a few of my friends who have adult children who still live at home, they're like going, what am I, how do I stop them from like, what do I do? What do I do? They want to go out. They're going to their friends. They're going to, they want to get together with people. I, I don't know what my daughter or my son is doing outside of the house. I can't keep them confined to the house. So I have one friend who's actually immunocompromised says, okay, but the rule is if uh, her daughter lives with her but has to be wearing a mask in the house and has her own area of the house so not using the same bathroom not even using the kitchen or making sure you know whatever so that's what they're doing but at the same time imploring her to not go to bars and not go to to kind of risky things so how do we get them to hear it and to understand it stefan well, first of all, we have to understand that teens and young adults have this sense of invulnerability, right? They've probably yeah. never gotten sick seriously before, and they don't really feel that this virus is ever going to do any damage to them. So they feel like, even if I get it, it's no big deal. I can recover, and I probably won't have any symptoms, and I'll be fine. And uh, so really it's about teaching them about helping them have compassion for others who may be more at risk than they are and talking about the consequences. If they do catch it, maybe not so, so great for themselves, but, you know, the question I would ask is, how would you feel if your grandmother falls ill because of you? Mm-hmm. you know, it'll be your fault that she gets it. And how would you feel if she, she gets really sick or even if she dies? It'll be on your mind forever. So dealing with consequences helps them, I think, to put it into context a little bit bigger because they tend to be egocentric, right, teens? Right. And, all the, and younger adults, are just it's really about me, myself, and I. So you have to kind of bring it beyond them to a bigger scope. Um, and then listening to their feelings is really important, like w- getting them to talk about, yeah, they're tired of feeling confined, they can't see their friends, they can't do the things they're supposed to. I think just helping them to share that and, and validating their feelings is really important for them to feel like, okay, somebody cares, somebody understands me. Mm-hmm. And then letting them know that their their feelings, you know, is normal, and we're all dealing in, in the best way that we can to an abnormal situation. So it's a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. Right. And I know it's difficult, but, you know, think of your grandma when you go out and think of this and, and really respect the 
the, the, the social distancing as best as you can, wear the masks. So I think the things that they they know they should be doing, they're going to do if they think about it a little bit more. So all you can do really is plant little seeds in their head. Hmm. And hopefully they will listen to those little seeds and they'll play out and use their judgment in a positive way when they do go out. And and limitations, like there should be places that you say you absolutely cannot go there or else you can't live here anymore. So if you right. decide to go to the gym or you go to the bars, those two high-risk places, then you're not allowed to live here anymore. You're going to have to find another place to be. Right. Um, I've got to protect myself. I've got to protect your grandma or whatever. And so you have a choice to make. I think it's important to also to make it personal. So you're right, because mm-hmm. I think that's the only way that it really gets gets through. Um, and also to see if we could get them to be leaders for others. You know, if they can make it so yeah. that they can be the leader within their own social group, for example, like setting a good example of like positive peer pressure, mm-hmm. um, that would good. be, you know, letting them know that that would be a very valuable gift that they would be uh, giving society as well. So there's, yeah. there, there's certainly, uh, there's certainly that. And turning it, I'm, go ahead. Sorry. Rebecca. I've also been thinking, like what I have often said to adults too, the way we used to think fun was has to be changed mm-hmm. right now. And I've I've said, you know, what are other ways of finding pleasure? What are other ways of enjoying yourself? So yes, you would have. It was unheard of to think of picking up food, going to a park, and sitting far apart. But that ha- that almost has to change now, where that has to be the new forms of pleasure and enjoyment as friends. Because, like Stefan had said, and what you had said as well, Lori, is that we just have to, these are not regular circumstances. And again, I tell everyone, this is temporary. Mm-hmm. We'll all be reminding ourselves this isn't permanent, and there will be changes eventually. But we right now all have to be flexible, and the way we used to do things can't be anymore. It's an opportunity to learn skills different coping skills as well some you know that we have never had to put into play for example the the reality is this could go on for another year we don't know like it's living in that uncertainty that we don't know what will be Mm -hmm. in september we don't know what will be in december january so um, i think also to appeal to youth we have to be able to like give them advice based on like evidence but not you know not dr google like like actual science and and maybe show them visuals you know there there's some great visuals of how how it spreads right asymptomatically like from this group and then it like there's some amazing visuals that maybe if we if they saw that, that would be maybe a little bit helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of texts here. Very difficult to get through to a teen or young adult. Like ourselves at their age, they think they know it all. Only one big difference. Their ignorance today can cause someone their life. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, if COVID-19 is easy on the young, one will eventually become very sick to the point of dying, and that might click to them to listen and respect the rules. Well, that's the whole thing. We don't – do we want it to, to want be that. that somebody close to them dies and then they'll follow the rules? Like, that's scary, right? Like, And then what if you were even remotely – uh, I don't want to say responsible, but let's say, you, you know, you were a carrier Involved. of this yeah. virus that – somehow spread throughout your family how you know how would you feel 
how would you feel? And this is something that we do have to appeal to, um, to the younger generation as well. I just don't know how else to get the message across. And I think we all, the three of us have young adults. (laughs) I Mm -hmm. think we've all had, uh, arguments and, uh, no, this is not safe. No, you can't do, no, you shouldn't do this. And, and then at some point it's like, okay, I can't, I can't hear anymore. Like, I don't want to know anymore. You're just going to have to stay away. You know, it's almost like you have to get that drastic. Stefan? Yeah. And, and, and I think conversations are important again, in discussing what you feel is appropriate, what's inappropriate, even if there's disagreements, I think as long as the communication lines are open, that tends to help to create more sense of responsibility. Anytime we're coming down strong and you can't or else, you know, sometimes when you're being a little too harsh or too authoritative, mm. that has the opposite effect. Right. Um, and obviously if you're too slack and you don't want to know and you don't ask any questions, then that's not helpful either. You're putting your head in the sand and denial tends to to not bring about good results. So healthy communications about what you're nervous about, what you're worried about, what your limits and boundaries are, what theirs could be, should be, um, helping them to make up their own decisions as to what is is healthy and what's not healthy for them. What do you you respond to this? This text writes in, your guests are all dans la lune. What a joke. Life (laughs) is for the living. Give the kids a freaking break. They just did five months of lockdown. Enough of these doomsday scenarios. Let people live their bleeding lives. Yeah. (laughs) Who wants to answer that? (laughs) So I go back. I do go back to saying people need to just change what pleasure and fun was mm-hmm. it can't for me it can't be what pleasure and fun used to be because that's not being safe and smart that being said though i'm encouraging and tell people young and old get out now for walks get out now in parks get out now and do things because in a few months with the cold we're not going to be doing any of this again and i i i'm look i'm not look it's not about dooms in any way doomsday in any way but i do think it's better that we have the open discussions and communicate and problem solve together because yes they've suffered five months but i'm almost sure suffering in Montreal, with COVID restrictions, with going outside with pressure and not having to worry about bombs falling on your head is still <laughs> safe. And they're not right. living consequences that have been so terrible. In the past, it's still yes, in history. Freedom. Mm-hmm. We still all have, most people have Netflix. People are still living the same lives. They just can't go to bars and congregate with more than 20, 50 people. Mm-hmm. So let's put it into perspective. Stefan, last words. Yes, you know? good good perspective, actually. Yes. Stefan, last I, words. I just look at the, the states and I say, look what they've done and let's not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. let's give her, let's give ourselves some freedom and use it, but be cautious and be careful. Uh, you know, I think if we're reckless and we just don't care about others because we're tired of being confined, that could be really devastating, and the consequences could be grave. Right. Yeah. And I, I really don't think we're doomsdaying all of this. I think this is based on uh, research on uh, on the science that's out there, and I think it's just a question of being realistic and. Uh, and this is what we're all dealing with. So thank you guys for being on with me and for uh, being voices of reason in this uh, crazy time and for being there to help all the people who uh, who need it. Stefan, where can people find you? They can reach us at 514-542-6888 or on the website at psisante.com. Wonderful. Rebecca Putterman. 514-402-5526. 
wonderful. And you can find me, reach me at drlaurie.com or 514-984-5910. Thank you uh, to my guests. Thank you for, to uh, you for uh, sending in your text and for listening, of course. Thanks to our technical producer, uh, Dave Simon. Uh, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito. On my website, drlaurie.com, you'll find the podcast of all past shows as well, including this one. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening. Stay safe and remember to live your life with passion.